And uh, I want to talk to you this morning about prayer habits, prayer habits. Our goal for this month of, of December is to encourage you to begin some habits that are sustainable every day, every week, all year long. And some of those habits are reading the Bible every day, praying every day, coming to a weekly prayer meeting, once a week prayer meeting. We have our big Wednesday night prayer meeting, but we have prayer meetings that happen every single day of the week, 6 a.m. noon and 6.30 p.m. There's got to be a time that you could show up to a corporate prayer meeting here at Glad Tidings. There's got to be a time. If there's a hunger, how many of you know? You know where to find food. When you're hungry... You're going to ask what's for dinner. If you're hungry, you're going to see if there's any money in your wallet. If you're, if you're hungry, you're going to ask a friend, where's a good place for lunch today? Right? If you're hungry, you're going to find food. Even if you have to dumpster dive, you're going to find it. Right? Hunger drives us. It pulls us. We do things that we normally would not do. Well, I want to talk to you about developing some kind of, of, of hunger habits when it comes to prayer. We know that there's this huge gap between prayer and theory and prayer and practice. Like I mentioned last week in a website poll about prayer, of the 678 respondents, only 23 felt satisfied with the time they were spending in prayer. You know, we probably have not quite 678 people here this morning, but if these statistics play out, there's only 23 in the room here today that are really satisfied with the kind of time, the quality time they have with God. And I'm not here this morning to, to encourage the 23. I'm here to encourage the 678. How many of you are with me this morning, right? I want to get to that place where I am satisfied, where I am experiencing God the way God intended when I come to him in prayer. I know that if Adam could experience it before the fall and Enoch could experience it and Jesus experienced it after the fall, how many of you know you and I can experience a satisfying time with God? If we want to move from being strangers strangers with God to friends of God, Jesus said there are some habits that we have to make and there's some habits we have to break. So I want to talk to you this morning about making some habits and breaking some habits as it relates to prayer. The first habit that we have to make is the habit of showing up. The habit of showing up. Jesus said, Matthew 6, verse 5, he said, chapter 6, chapter 6, verse number 5, he said, when you pray, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, David in Psalm 42 said this, it's not up on the screen, I'll give it to you, it's free this morning. In Psalm 42, David said this, he said, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when can I go and meet with God? The first habit that we have to develop is the habit of simply showing up. And we could just pass over that and not even talking about it, but that's where prayer begins, right? And can I tell you, the biggest battle over prayer is that one right there. Because if you don't show up, it doesn't matter how you pray. It doesn't matter all the other stuff about prayer if you don't show up. You have to begin by showing up. Pastor Ben Patterson, he tells of a time when he ruptured a disc in his back and the doctors prescribed six weeks of total bed rest. Heavily medicated and lying flat on his back, he found that reading was virtually impossible 
And in that incapacitated state, he learned the important lesson about prayer. I was helpless, he said. I was also terrified. How was I going to take care of my family? What about the church? I could do nothing. And out of sheer desperation, I decided to pray for the church. And he took out the church directory and he began to pray for everybody that came to his church. He says, it was not piety that made me do it. It was boredom and frustration. (laughs) But over the weeks, the prayer times grew sweet. One day, near the end of my convalescence or my time sick in bed, I was praying and I told the Lord, you know, it's been wonderful. These prolonged times that we've spent together. It's too bad I don't have time to do this when I'm well. God's answer came swift and blunt. He said to me, Ben, you have just as much time when you're well as when you're sick. It's the same 24 hours in either case. And then the Lord said this. The trouble is, is that when you're well, you think you're in charge. And when you're sick, you know you're not. Trouble drives us to prayer or we discipline ourselves. We discipline ourselves. Sometimes we don't like to attach that word discipline to prayer. But discipline is simply remembering what you want. Anything you want bad enough, I guarantee you, you'll discipline yourself enough. If your goal is to, is to, to uh, uh, binge watch a television program, I bet you you'll come up with the discipline to sit there and watch it for eight hours. Okay, maybe that's not the best example, right? Some of you are like, well, I didn't take any discipline. (laughs) Hey, the point is, you will take time for what's important to you. Daniel Daniel Yakovich, an astute observer of social trends, points to a cultural shift that occurred in the West, that is in the Western Hemisphere, in the 1970s. He said, before the 1970s, society valued self-denial or what we call deferred gratification. Spouses sacrificed, even if it meant holding two jobs and accepting transfers to other cities in the pursuit of long-term goals. Parents that were trapped in an unsatisfying marriage, they stayed together for the sake of the children. But in the 1970s, the rules changed. I was born in 1970, by the way. I hope this doesn't apply to me. But in the 1970s, the rules changed. The self-denial ethic morphed into the self-fulfillment ethic where we listen to our emotional needs and we want to fulfill them now without sacrifice, without waiting. And under this new rule of self-fulfillment, prayer loses out. Why? Because prayer requires discipline. It involves persevering through periods of darkness and dryness. And it results, and its results, the results of prayer are often difficult to measure. Rarely does it satisfy emotional cravings right away. We're being honest again about prayer this week. My experience, and I know many others experience with prayer, is it usually moves through a process. It begins with discipline, it becomes a desire, and then it leads to delight. And oftentimes we want to wait until the delight or the desire is there before we pray when it begins with discipline. Carrie and I didn't always enjoy drinking coffee. 
Uh, in fact, I didn't like the taste of it at first. It was very bitter. I never liked coffee. I couldn't understand why people liked coffee. Uh, now coffee is a habit in my life. Um, you could even maybe call it an addiction, right? I can't imagine starting my day without having a cup of coffee. In fact, I can't tell you the last time I went without a cup of coffee. This thing that I didn't enjoy at first became this habit. And now this habit of, of doing it became something I now desire and I delight in so much. I can't imagine living life without coffee. How many of you are with me on that? But it didn't start that way. My wife will tell you that when she goes to the doctor for her annual physical where they have to draw blood and they make you fast. How many of you love that? They make you fast before you go. She always tries to schedule her appointment as early in the morning as possible. (laughs) Right? So she can get that coffee, caffeine in her system as quick as possible. (laughs) I think her last appointment was like at 1130 in the morning. And she was, she was Googling where, the, the closest coffee shop to the doctor's office. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, but here's the crazy thing about it is, is coffee began as... It, the reason we started drinking, I started drinking coffee is because there was a need in my life. And the need was this. I wasn't handling stress well. I wasn't sleeping well. And, and how many of you know when that happens, it's hard to get up and get out of bed in the morning. And so I discovered this drug called caffeine. Somebody told me about it. He said, this will help you wake up in the morning. And so I started drinking it and I didn't like it at first. How many of you are with me? Sometimes prayer, we're driven to prayer out of need. It's not out of desire. We need this. We need God. We're going to discipline ourselves. We're going to pray. And after a season of time, that, that discipline turns to desire and leads to delight. And now I love my coffee and I love my prayer time. Isn't that how it works? Okay, I think you got it. If you want to move from being strangers with God to friends of God, you have to develop the habit of showing up. You have to develop this habit of showing up. Now, I've been out of the habit of exercising for a couple weeks now um, since vacation and all of this, but... I've learned never to ask myself, do I feel like running today? Do I feel like running today? There's not many days that I feel like running, but I just do it. And as with physical exercise, much of the benefit of prayer comes as a result of simply showing up. And you put on your running shoes and you put on your running clothes and you get out the door and you just start going. When do you show up to pray? I hope you have private time to pray and I hope you have public time to pray. Just showing up. There are prayer meetings that I'm leading at times that I don't want to go to. And I'm the pastor of the church. One of them. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And many of you who go to a Wednesday night prayer meeting or a 6 a.m. prayer meeting, you don't show up every day because you just can't wait to get there. You show up because you understand that it's the right thing to do. It doesn't feel right, but it is right. And when I get there, God's going to give me something that's going to make me right. He's going to show me something. He's going he's to heal me. He's going to speak to me. Something's going to happen. And I've never walked away from a prayer meeting going, man, that was a waste of time. I've walked into him going, I don't know why I'm here. 
but I've never walked out of one going, I don't know why I came. Are you with me? I'm just being honest with you. You know, I get, I, there are some Sunday mornings I don't want to come to church. I don't want to preach. Right? But it's the right thing to do. How many of you know the enemy's fighting for that? Come on, pastors don't do what they do because they just love every moment of it. They do it because God's asked them to do it. And the same is true in our lives. We do things that we don't want to do, but God wants us to. Okay, God. And you put yourself there and then God shows up and it's amazing. So the first habit is simply showing up. The second habit, and this, you tell me if this is one to make or one to break. The second habit is the habit of showing off. Make it or break it. Break that habit. Some were in the habit of showing off. And Jesus said, when you show up, don't show off. Matthew 6, verse number 5. Let's look at it. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Now, let's take a look at it in the message paraphrase. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? You see, God is not looking for a performance from you. He's looking for you. Well, I wonder who's going to show up today. Is it going to be Walt or somebody he's pretending to be? God wants Walt to show up, (laughs) right? God can only interact with me because I'm the only me he ever made. Right? He's not looking for a performance. He's looking for me. And when you show up to pray, you don't need to show off. You don't need to put on on this mask. You don't need to pretend. A man once stood up and he declared, thus saith the Lord, even as I was with Abraham, when he led the children of Israel through the wilderness, so I will be with you. And then he sat down. And his wife nudged him and and she whispered something to him. And quickly he stood back to his feet and he said, thus saith the Lord. I was mistaken. It was Moses who led the people through the wilderness. (laughs) See, God's not looking for performance. He's looking for you. Ask yourself, when I show up to pray, am I showing off? Well, I don't know if I'm showing off or not. Ask yourself this question. Do I pray publicly the same way that I pray privately? Do I pray publicly in the same way that I pray privately? You know, you can learn a lot about yourself, listening to yourself when you're praying in in, in private or listening to yourself when you're in public. And this one, this one gets me because I do a lot of public leading in prayer because I'm I lead. That's what I do. And so I'm praying a lot of times and and I think, you know, is that how I pray when I'm in my in my, uh, my study at home, do I pray like that? And I go, you know, sometimes I don't pray like that at home. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I might be showing off a little bit more, not even realizing that it's not the real me who's praying. How many of you are with me? You understand what I'm talking about? 
Am I satisfied with knowing God or, or do I need to let others know that I know God by the way I pray? Right. Does everybody in the room need to know how much, how much Bible that I know? So let's just pack as much scripture into the, into the prayer as possible, right? We do these kinds of things. We don't even realize it. Pastors do it. I do it. We do it. Jesus said, when you show up to pray, don't show off. Don't be like this. That's not a good habit, right? We don't want that. We want to be real when we pray. The third habit to practice or the third habit Jesus talked about was the habit of shutting the door. When you show up to pray, shut the door. Watch this. Verse number six. But when you pray, go into your room. Another translation says closet. Another says private place. Another says secret place. When you go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now watch how Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrase says that here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. I love that. Did you know that prayer was intended to be private before it becomes public? Jesus prayed publicly every day, three times a day. If he was near the synagogue three times a day, he would go and pray like any good Jewish believer, any good Jewish rabbi would do. Three times a day, he would go to public prayer. But the Bible says that he oftentimes, oftentimes withdrew to lonely places to pray. Many times he would get away from the crowds. He'd get away from the multitudes to pray to his father in secret. God is into secret stuff. God's into secret. He's into that secret place. There's a secret place in God that will result in God doing something publicly. When you go in your room, shut the door. This is private. This is you and God. This is private. Shut the door and pray to your father in secret. There are things that about my relationship with God that are secrets I won't tell you about. There are secrets that my wife and I have about each other and our time. I will never tell you about those secrets, right? God wants that kind of intimate relationship with you. And he says, and then when you do these secret things with God, God will then reward you openly or publicly. How do you think Jesus was able to do the miracles that he did? All of that. God was rewarding him publicly for those intimate private times he had with the father. This idea of this secret place, you mothers who carried babies, you know, you know more about this concept than we men do. When that unborn child is is in the womb, it's it's as much alive, it's as much alive as we are. 
And something is happening inside in that secret place. That unborn baby doesn't doesn't understand, doesn't have any concept of of what's going on. That unborn child is just is just resting in this secret place. And and this child is is maybe in a lonely place, but this child is not alone. And this child, all he's doing is resting and is abiding in this secret place. And, and somehow, supernaturally, this nourishment, this life is being infused into this baby. This life is coming from another person. Another person that this child has never seen with his own eyes. A person who this child has never seen the face of. Baby's never seen the face of mom. And in the same way, when we go into that secret place with God, we're going into a place we've never seen the face of God, but there's something supernatural happening. There's this life that's coming into us. We are growing. We are, we are growing. We're getting this power. There's something going on there. We don't even know it. Listen, when you get into that secret place and you shut the door behind you, God does things in you you don't even know he's doing. You have no idea he's preparing you for something. All you're doing is is being connected. There's this connection to the vine, this this cord that's connecting you and God in the secret place. This idea of shutting the door is all over the Bible. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there's... There's a story in, in, in there about this widow who owed money. She, she had, and she had no money to pay her debts. And, and she had two sons and, and the creditors were going to come and they were going to take her sons as payment. And she went to Elisha, the man of God, and she said, they're coming to take my sons. What should I do? He said, what do you have? All I have is a little oil, she said. And he said, well, take take that little oil and, and I want you to go out and gather as many jars as possible. And I want to take you, take all those jars and take the little oil that you have. And I want you to go into your room, the prophet said, and I want you to shut the door. And she went into that room and she shut the door and she came out of that room and she had more than enough oil to pay her debts and to live on. Listen, God does something when you go into your room and you shut the door. In the same chapter of Second Kings chapter 4, there was this woman who was older in years and she couldn't bear children. And prophet Elisha said to her one day, he said, she said, ne- next year, this time next year, you're going to have a son. And sure enough, a year later, she had a son. The son was born. The son grew up. And one day, the son got a really bad headache. And she held the boy in her arms for six hours. And that boy died in her arms. And she went and she ran and she found the prophet. And she said, my boy has died. And he ran back to the house. And the Bible says the prophet Elisha, he went into the room where the boy was and he shut the door. And mouth to mouth and and eyes to eyes and hands to hands. He went into that secret place and he began to pray. He began to call on God. And not too long after, he opened the door and he says, Mother, here's your boy. Come get your boy. He's alive. Listen, God does things in the secret place. God does things in the secret place. Something happens when you shut the door and get along alone with God. You can bring your dead marriage into that place. You can bring your dead, your son who's spiritually dead. You can take your your emptiness. You can take your lack. You carry it with you into that secret place. 
And God does miracles there. Some of you, you've got something empty. You've got something dead. And before you come to the altar and ask somebody to pray, Jesus said, go to your room. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in secret. And he will reward you openly, publicly. Many times I don't know the right decision. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to preach. But I've gotten in this habit of showing up and shutting the door. And somehow, somehow, when I walk out of that room, I may not. I may have the specific answer or I may just have God's the answer. But I walk out of there and things are different. Jesus had developed the habit of showing up and the habit of shutting the door. Pastor Lauren Livingston, he's a pastor who, along in years, but he has this this father. Back in the day when his father was still alive, he tells the story about his his dad, who was a sharecropper in the South. And his dad only had an eighth grade education, just like my dad. An eighth grade education and had a growing family and he couldn't pay the bills anymore. And he heard about this job on the railroad that was open on the Seaboard Coastline Railroad in Hamlet, North Carolina, 30 miles from where they lived. And and dad told the family, tomorrow I'm going to the railroad. I'm going to go to talk to the supervisor. I'm going to see about getting me a job that can take care of our family. So the next day he went, he got in the car, he drove 30 miles. He went there. He saw the supervisor. He said, he said, he said, sir, my name is Lauren Livingston and I'm here to apply for a job. The supervisor said, great. And he pulled this, this set of plans off the shelf and he rolled these plans right out in front of Mr. Livingston. And he says, if you can read these plans, you can have this job. And Mr. Loringson, he looked at these plans and, and it was the plan, it was the, the, the drawings of a, of a diesel engine on one of these locomotives. And he looked at it and his heart sunk and he felt like he was going to throw up and he was, he was embarrassed and he looked, he, he couldn't make any sense. He had no idea what those plans were. And he looked at the supervisor. He said, sir, he said, uh, can I get back with you on this? <laughs> He said, can I come back tomorrow and I'll tell you what this is? And the guy says, well, sure, if you want to. So we got in the car, drove home and got home. Wife asked, how'd it go? Not very good. But I'm going into my closet and I'm going to see what God has to say about this. He went to his prayer closet and he spent several hours praying that night. Next morning, he got up, ate breakfast, got in his car, drove the 30 miles, went into the supervisor's office. Hi, my name is Lauren Livingston. I'm here to apply for the job. The guy says, well, great, you can have it if you can read these plans. He rolled out the plans. And Mr. Livingston looked at those plans and it was like a light came on. It like a light came on. He began to look at that, began to understand the schematics and the plans of this and the wiring. And he began to tell the supervisor, well, now I would do this and I would move this here and that there and this here and that there. And after several minutes of conversation, the man says, you've got the job. You've got the job. And here's the point. 30 years later, he's still working for the railroad, a man with only an eighth grade education. But the man had a prayer closet. The man had a habit of showing up and shutting the door behind him. And God did miracles in his life. Listen, if you lack something, go into your room and shut the door. 
God will meet you there. Miracles happen. Miracles happen in that secret place. When you go into your closet and shut the door behind you, get this. God opens a door ahead of you. You shut the door behind you. God opens a door in front of you. And what I've learned about this is when you get in the habit of showing up and get in the habit of shutting the door behind you, God gets in the habit of opening doors in front of you and rewarding those who diligently seek him. I love that about God. See, the best thing that I can do for you is get into my closet and shut the door. The best thing I can do for my family is become a man who develops a habit of showing up and shutting the door and getting alone with God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Jesus oftentimes withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. The final habit that I want to share with you this morning, tell me if it's one to make or one to break, is the habit of saying too much. The habit of saying. Make it or break it. Break this habit. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 7. And when you pray. Do not keep on babbling like the pagans. For they think that they will be heard. Why? Because of their many words. Do not be like them. Break this habit. For your father knows what you need. Before you ask him. The message paraphrase says it like this. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with. (laughs) And he knows better than you what you need. How many of you know that prayer is not a matter of giving God new information? He already knows. God is not interested in information. He knows it all. He's not counting how many scriptures you can quote in your prayer. He's not looking for how many words you can squeeze in to your prayer time. God's not wanting many words. This is what God wants from you when you come into that place and you shut the door. This is what God wants from you. He wants your attention. He wants your attention. More than anything else, he wants your attention. Prayer is not so much about getting God's attention as it is giving your attention to God. And when you give your attention to God, he will draw your attention to things that are on his heart. So instead of praying, God, here's what I'm doing today. Here's what I need today. Here's where you need to show up today. Instead of praying like that, you start praying prayers like, God, what are you doing today? And how can I be part of it? I'd much rather partner with him than he partner with me. I'd rather he that that I come alongside what he's doing that day than what than he come alongside what I'm. How many of you know what I'm talking about? See, when you give when you give your attention to God, and first thing you do is okay, show up. I'm here, God. Okay, you shut the door. It's private. It's just us. First thing you do is keep your mouth shut. When I was growing up, 
saying shut up was a cuss word. In our house, it's no longer a cuss word. (laughs) There's a time to speak, the Bible says, and a time to shut up. That's my paraphrase. How many of you know you can't listen when you're talking? I'd rather do more listening to God than God do listening to me. I already know what I know. I want to know what he knows. So the the habit you want to avoid when you come to prayer is talking too much. Now, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2. It's not up there, but it's free. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. You know, there are many voices, many, many voices that are competing um, with God. Many voices competing with God in prayer. And I think our very own voice is the biggest competitor. There's a time to open your mouth and make your requests known. There's a time to praise. There's a time for all that. And we're going to look at that in the weeks to come. But when you begin with prayer, the first thing you do is you show up and you shut up. Now, that's a good one there. I should have got a few amens on that one. Okay. For the men in the room who don't like talking much, you're loving this series on prayer right now. I can tell. Awesome. Right? Have you ever, a relationship that's important to you, okay, your spouse, your kids, somebody, your best friend, have you ever wished you could gone back and said more? Hardly. You wish you could go back and say less. I wish I could take that back, right? I I said way too much. How many of you have said that before, right? All the time. See, there's, there's restraint in prayer. There's a time to restrain and say, you know, God, my heart, I have so many things I want to tell you right now. I, 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 want, to, I want all these things. I want to tell you what to do. I want to tell you what's going on, all this and that. But God, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to listen. And this is how prayer begins. I love the scripture. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Two commands. Be still And the second, no, watch this. The Latin imperative for be still is the word vacate. Be still. In other words, vacate. Take a holiday. Take a vacation. Take a break from trying to run your life, from trying to control everything around you. Take a break from being the control freak and let God be God. Be still. Be still. Don't try to control God in prayer. God, you said in your word, you're going to, you better do it because you said it. If you don't do it, and this is what we do. Come on. No, first be still. And then what? Know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And when you start prayer this way, our Father, which in heaven next week, we'll even look at it a little more. Your perspective on everything changes. And you begin to pray differently than you've ever prayed because you have a different perspective than you've ever had. And pretty soon, your your day and your life is not as stressful as you thought it was. And your perspective is not as right as you thought it was because you have a divine perspective. 
So what are we talking about? We're talking about habits today. Jesus said there's two habits you need to make when it comes to prayer. You need to show up and you need to shut the door. Show up, shut the door. Two habits that you have to break, showing off and saying too much. That's what he said. That's what he said. I believe here's what's going to happen. As we take Jesus' advice about habits of prayer, as we start practicing those habits... As we start practicing those habits, we're going to know God in a way this year we've never, ever known Him. And we're going to make Him known in a way we've never been able to. There's going to be this oneness, this intimacy with God as never before. You know, this idea of intimacy, you know, Mary, Mary and the Holy Spirit, Mary, the mother of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, there was this coming together. There was this immaculate conception. There was this... God's seed planted inside of her by the Holy Spirit. The power of God overshadowed her. But that would not have happened, my friend, without a secret place. That happened, right? That happened. That happened with the Holy Spirit and Mary. I can't explain it. It's a mystery. But it happened. And the Bible says Mary pondered these things in her heart. It wasn't a public conception. It was a public birth, but it was not a public conception. It was private. God wants to conceive things inside of you in the secret place. He wants miracles to be birthed inside of you, but it has to be when you show up behind closed doors. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. And it moves into the public prayer. It moves into those places, but it begins in private. Next week, we'll explore what happens next and what Jesus told us to say when we pray. I want you to stand with me this morning. So here's the question I want you to answer in your mind. The question is this, when am I going to show up? When am I going to show up? seven days a week, 24 hours a day, when am I going to show up and shut the door? When am I going to find that secluded place, that quiet place to get alone and be with God? And I want you to be specific in your answer, not to me, but to somebody. Let somebody know at 5 a.m., at 7 a.m., at 10 a.m., at 10 10 o'clock at night, Whenever, but there's a time and there's a place every day. Maybe it's during your lunch hour and there's a place you can sneak away. If the heater is working in your car, you could go to your car (laughs) during your lunch hour in that quiet place. What prayer meeting are you going to attend and show up to pray? That's, That's where it starts right there. Pastor, I did it all week long. I showed up and it just seemed like nothing happened. And my advice is, praise the Lord. That's great. Do it again. Show up another day. Show up another week. All right. I guess so. I don't feel anything. It's okay. Those feelings will catch up to you. Discipline, desire, delight. God, I thank you this morning that we have opportunity to to show up and pray because Jesus made a way on the cross for us. 
where we could enter into this this holy of holies, this secret place with you. Thank you for that, God. I pray that each one of us, God, we would be so hungry, God. We'd be like David who said, when can I get alone and be with God? God, that that would be our attitude as we approach this. God, I think many here are going to just, they're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. But man, there's no feelings attached to it whatsoever. Thank you, God, for giving us discipline. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of self-control. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you that you're calling us to yourself, God. Praise you, God. Bless you, Lord. I hope and I pray that something got stirred up in you today. Maybe there's a new desire in you towards prayer. Maybe not. Maybe you feel like doing the right thing. Maybe you die. Maybe you do not feel like doing the right thing. But you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> Over time, you'll start liking coffee. It may be bitter at first. But over time, you'll acquire a taste. I don't know how else to explain it. Okay? How many of you coffee lovers out there? All right? How many Jesus lovers out there? Right? This thing called prayer, communication, it takes time to learn what that's like. It's like getting to know somebody you don't know from stranger to friend. If you'd like special prayer this morning, our altar ministry team will be here to pray for you. And if you are here today and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, he's not your savior. He's not your Lord. You are still lost in your sin, but you're ready to turn from your sin and trust Jesus to be your savior. This is the day of salvation. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this. If that's you, I want you to, after the service, come right down here. I want you to tell me, pastor, I'm ready to get right with God. And I'm going to have you then pray with one of our prayer workers. Would you do that this morning? Come, let me know. I need to be right with God. And I'll direct you to a prayer worker this morning. Amen? Amen. Listen, I hope your cars start. If they don't, let us know. Enjoy the new space that God has given to us. Thank you for giving to We Believe. Thank you for giving. God bless you. We'll see you at the next prayer meeting.